The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brents, and I'm your host. we still got new intro music, got a couple of notes on it. People are liking it, if you can name. I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's our own song. We came up with the song ourselves. I wrote it, Debo produced it. Uh, but hypothetically, if it sounded like another song, I'd be curious to know what song you think it sounds like. You can let me know on Twitter, at Will Brinson, DM me or email me. Uh, it's at, you know, where it's, it's not quite fantasy time of the year, but, uh, once it gets there, I, I'll take DMs and emails about fantasy drafts. Uh, Lord willing, we will get there. Joining me today, speaking of drafts for a mock draft Monday, March 23rd, Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso. Ryan Wilson from the comforts of Shez Wilson, uh, in upper New York, his luxurious basement, uh, where he crafts his junior draft analyst. Uh, mocks and whatnot, and Chris Trapasso in his car. Yeah, right next to my house. You can't play Cumbersome on the podcast without a license, right? That's not what it was. What was it? Oh, God, I can't turn it off now. <laughs> is the podcast theme song, or is it the actual... Uh, that was going to be my guess of the podcast theme song, but you, you ruined it, so... I couldn't hear. What was it? I can't say. That way no one gets in trouble. Well, here, play the first note of it again. I don't think Diva would want me to do that. Okay. Uh, Trapasso. How's your car? It's nice. I'm about two feet from my house. I parked as close as I could to get Wi-Fi. You moved your car closer to the house to get Wi-Fi? Yeah, both of my kids, like the one, they're both good sleepers. They're both under three. And this is the one day where like at the same time, they're not wanting to sleep. So I'm like, wherever I go, there's going to be like an echo of crying. So I probably go in the car. The Wi-Fi is good out here. So I think I'll be fine. I think uh, if we're being honest, the crying is actually Chris Trapasso because he's been kicked out of the house because they're concerned. <laughs> I've been too annoying the last week to my that's, wife. That's maybe. not that's not his house, and uh, he's, he's got Corona, and he's just driving around the neighborhood, driving around the city in Buffalo, trying hey. to place it. Coronavirus, COVID nineteen, call it what it's supposed to be. Uh, the novel coronavirus. Excuse yeah. me. Our uh, our buddy Jared Dubin noted that if you call it the Rona, you probably don't take it very seriously. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring a little levity to the situation, um, and people are doing a lot of different things to try and bring levity to the situation, including doing a uh, what, what did you call it, Ryan? You're going on Friday. You're going to down walking two doors down. Yeah. You're going to sit in your neighbor's driveway and shout at them. 
Uh, how are you doing, friends? Hello there. Good to see you. Uh, you're going to have a drink with them from like 40 feet away. How was it? It was good. It was actually six to 10 feet. And um, there was a rule. No, you couldn't use the bathroom there. So I had to walk back home to, to use it. How, how many times did you have to use the bathroom during the trip? I had to go back once to do a radio interview. And then I walked back once to use the bathroom. Oh, so, so, you, so you faked a radio interview to go pee? Is that what you did? <laughs> number one and number two. Uh, it was fine. I mean, you know, just no fist bumping. And, you know, you could, I could hear them in six feet. And uh, had a beer. My wife had one of those stupid seltzers. And then uh, we came home. Cool. Um we, uh, we've got, uh, we, we're recording this on Sunday and Sunday afternoon, uh, I try to take care of some, uh, church preschool board meeting business. I am going to humble brag. Um, I am going to, uh, I am going to go over to my buddy's house and we are going to do uh driveway drinks as well. So we're actually, so, so mea culpa. I think it's a great idea. I'm stealing it from you and I'm using it in my day to day life and I'm going to go enjoy seeing some of my friends. We're going to take Robbie. Take AK and uh, we'll sit in the driveway and did you take your kids or are you leaving home? No, we didn't take our kids. They stayed at home, but our kids have, uh, one set of friends, brother and sister. Or so that are about the same age. So they actually have all been hanging out and that's the only people to hang out with because, um, you know, we know that they're presumably okay and we're presumably okay. So that's the extent of it. In fact, when they, we got a note from our neighborhood last Monday that said, uh, please 20, the 20 teenagers at the basketball court, please don't do that anymore. That's a terrible idea. So uh, we've actually instructed our now 13-year-old. By the way, my son turned 13 yesterday, which is bonkers. Happy birthday. If you uh, if you see people at the basketball court, just keep on going. Don't be a hero. Yeah. Uh, I bet you said it just like that, too. Uh, I did say to him today because he was riding his bike with his buddy, and my wife was uh, walking with our other son, and she said, I heard this person yelling, and I thought something was, was wrong, and I turned around, and it's our son singing Free Bird at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Ride his bicycle. I said, hey. Actually, I just said this to him before I came downstairs. Hey, numbnut, don't be the guy that's annoying other people because they think the parents are the moron of the actual moron. So how about you not sing so loud? That's okay. right. Okay, sorry. Uh, Traps, you got any uh, stuff you're trying to pull off uh, virtually? Uh, otherwise? What are the one of the bars in town did like a virtual happy hour. There was like 40, 50 people in it. It was just like comments of their live feed. And I think either tonight or tomorrow, a few of our friends never used zoom before, maybe just use Skype just like this to do just like a pretend like they're coming over to have some drinks like they would on a Saturday or a Sunday. So that's really the extent of it. But I really like that driveway drinks idea. I think I'll pitch that because we have a lot of friends that live close to us. Yes. Um, Bring some lawn chairs. Have a, have a please time. note yeah. that when you when you mention it to him, please note that it was Will Brinson's idea. Okay, that's right. Um, <laughs> and you know uh, you can go in the backyard, and if you have a backyard fire pit, fire up the fire pit. I bet coronavirus doesn't like fire. Boom, done. That seems highly uh, unscientific and potentially libelous. So don't don't uh, listen to Ryan in that in that case. We don't know how Corona feels about fire. Maybe it loves fire. So don't yeah, maybe don't do the fire. Uh, by the way, Joseph Bosetti. Uh, emailed, uh, I think he was, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the Zoom meetings that my buddy Travis, uh, Edmonds put together and virtual happy hours and whatnot. He was like, just listen to the pod about this. And I came up with FaceTime beer pong. Boom. Enjoy. I was like, whoa, go on. He's like, yeah, set up the six cups. You would shoot in at the end of the opposite side where you stand and then of your shot. So like basically you, you set up cups and like you play the game with your MacBook. And then your friend has a MacBook and you're FaceTiming and they play the game too. And you can play beer pong with friends. Now, don't get too deep into this because you're going to spill your beer. It's going to go all over the MacBook. And then you can't do any more FaceTime beer pong. So 
Don't hate it. I don't hate it. I like it. But I like yeah. the idea. I like the idea. Like if you're itching to get drunk and you need to play, you see the kids on Malibu Beach today or on Sunday out there playing beer pong on the beach? The dudes are playing basketball. Grow up. Get indoors. Listen to a podcast about the draft. Speaking of the draft, it could move because of Corona from Las Vegas to a studio. Sam Farmer of the LA Times. By the way, out of the three of us on this uh, podcast, only one of us is blocked by Sam Farmer. You'll never guess. I'll give you three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> Some Ryan, me. Ryan Wilson, the least like blockable person on the planet. And Sam <laughs> Farmer, the least likely to block, is blocked Ryan Wilson. It's hilarious. Um, surely he meant to block somebody else. If, if you're listening, Sam, unblock Ryan. Uh, Sam's one of the nicest guys out there in, in the business. I wouldn't know. Uh, but he said the NFL is not commenting publicly about what's in the works, but according to two individuals with knowledge of the discussions, the current plans call for some type of studio setting with cut-ins from the headquarters of the teams making the selection at a given time. I'm not undermining the reporting here at all, but I, I've been saying, I said, I remember when I was on HQ, right, as the breaking news happened, I was like, they're not doing it in Vegas. Like, they're not going to, like, like, cordon it off and keep people out of there and just have a stage. They're not doing that. They're, they're going to do it in the LA studio. They're going to do it in the NFL Network studios. Rich Eisen's going to host. Daniel Jeremiah will be in there. We're coming from his house. Uh, to, he's got, you know, they all have, you know, everybody has kids. So we'll see how that all unfolds in terms of, um, you know, that maybe, situation. Maybe, maybe DJ will be doing it from his car. DJ could do it from his car. Good. If his kids are uh, refusing to sleep. And, um, unlikely since it's video. Uh, maybe DJ will be in there. I don't know. But maybe they'll bring some prospects in. I might not even do that, but I think that they'll just bop around to the team headquarters and let the teams comment on it and you interview them and it'll be a fi- it'll be a fine experience. But they're not going to do it in Vegas. If they're not going to go full Vegas, which they won't because the draft is uh, as of today exactly 30 days away, they will not have it in Vegas. That's just how it's going to be. The, the strip is shut down right now. They're not doing it in Vegas. What are we even thinking well, that's about? That's a perfect place to do it. No one's out there. But for real, I was actually thinking about this as you were talking. None of the players will obviously be the all probably have cameras in their home. But then the question becomes, depending on how far we have progressed from 30 days from now to the draft, if we're still on lockdown, uh, how many people are going to be in the player's house? You can't have 40 people over there for a house party. That breaks the you know the rule of 10 plus people. So maybe that changes. Maybe they find a, a vaccine in that time. I don't know, but that's just something that occurred to me about because typically you have 50 to 100 people at your house party as you celebrate getting drafted. Um, by the way, my wife just texted me. Apparently we have new neighbors. Somebody just bought the house next door to us. I can't, I'm surprised that people would buy a house during the middle of Corona. Yeah. I have like one of my best friends is selling his house and he's like had an open house like earlier this week. And I was like, how is that happening? Nah, not me. <laughs> That's you, I was confused. Zoom. You can have a zoom open house. Yeah. There you go. Um, anyway. Oh, Looks like driveway drinks has been canceled. Mm. Oh. Well, just go sit out in your front yard and put on your redneck hat and do it yourself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my wife is not happy about this. Fantastic. Should be a fun little evening at home. How will free agency affect the draft? Uh, I don't think any changes give it to Joe Burrow. You know, the Bengals didn't sign Tom Brady. The Redskins didn't sign Jadavion Clowney yet. Uh, they still could. Uh, unlikely though. So unlikely to change those top two picks. Uh, do you think that sort of locks in, uh, Jeffrey Oduka, uh, Okuda? Did I say Oduka? Okuda, Jeffrey Okuda, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing, sort of. Ryan, do you think that locks him in at number three after the, uh, Darius Slay trade of, uh, to the, to the Eagles? Well, you would think so. Darius Slay had some not so nice things to say about your guy, Matt Patricia. Um, so. Yeah, talked about that on Friday. 
Yeah, so you would think that Akuda would be the obvious selection to bolster that secondary. I sort of like Isaiah Simmons there as well. He can play, you know, basically 11 positions. And if you're Matt Patricia, basically on a one-year deal, you need someone who can play a, a ton of positions. I would take Akuda. Isaiah Simmons would probably be one B. I don't know if I'd take Derek Brown just because I don't know if he's going to magically fix everything that needs to be fixing to save Matt Patricia and Bob Bob Quinn's job. So yeah, Akuda it would be my target as of right now. Yeah, and I think that's been like the most telegraphed pairing like of the early portion of the first round anyway, that we all kind of knew that Darius Slay was probably going to not play for the Lions this year. And in New England, Matt Patricia had Darrell Revis, he had Malcolm Butler when he had his coming out party, and Stephon Gilmore, all big, long, physical press man corners. That's what Jeffrey Akuda is. That's what this secondary desperately needs. He checked out with his measurements at the combine, with his athleticism, the tape the last two years. That should be really the first three picks should almost be like mailed in at this point. Um, the uh, Chargers going with Tyrod Taylor, not pursuing a veteran, according to reports. I mean, they could still go after Cam Newton if he's cut or the same with Andy Dalton. Uh, but it does feel like they're basically – uh, locked in on Tyrod Taylor. Do you think that all, all but guarantees them taking Jordan Love or Justin Herbert there at uh, six, right? Six, seven? No, six, you're right. Okay. Uh, it was hesitating because they could take an offensive lineman. Oh, Kata, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, they could take an offensive lineman there since they haven't done that in, in decades, but maybe that should be an indication that quarterback would be the way to go since Phillip Rivers is now gone. And Tyrod Taylor seen this before with ba- Baker Mayfield a few years ago where he was the starter and Hugh Jackson said, yeah, he's my starter, right until Hugh Jackson got run out of town and everything went sideways. So, yeah, it's going to be Tua or Justin, depending on Tua's health and and how much they like Justin. Uh, Jordan Love is a possibility, but I don't think the Chargers are going to be in the the Jordan Love business. Mm. I don't know if I would take Justin Herbert that early. What what makes you say that they won't be in the Jordan Love business? I'm just hearing some things. What what, what are you hearing? I'm hearing they might not be in the the Jordan Love business. (laughs) Maybe they'll flesh out that source. Uh yeah, I, I, from what so I understand, did you, you just hear that the Chargers might be down on Jordan Love. I, I I've heard that they weren't crazy about the the 2019, uh, how poorly he played, and you know we talked about the reasons for that. So maybe it's smokescreen. I don't know, but um, I don't know if I would draft Justin Herbert personally. But th- they may feel differently. He's got a big arm, and if he can sit for a year behind Tyrod, that's swell. Um, I don't know if that'll happen in a stadium that's going to be a quarter of the way filled since they're moving to the new Rams stadium and no one presumably is going to watch the chargers now since they were watching them in a soccer stadium. So yeah, I think it's one of the quarterbacks. I just don't know which one. And, um, you know, I, some of that depends on to his health. Yeah. I think Ryan hit the nail on the head there. Tyrod is like one of the better bridge quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's like just limited enough that teams never feel like he's going to be the long-term answer, but he's good enough that like you feel good about starting a season with him. If you have a rookie like Justin Herbert, that despite all the experience, even me, that's a little bit higher on him than Ryan. I probably feel like he needs to sit for at least half a season, if not an entire rookie season before he's ready to take the reins. So having Tyrod there, Anthony Lynn has the tie to Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. Um, so I, I think they still go quarterback. Tom Telesco, their GM, is probably kind of on the hot seat to a certain degree. So to, to have that quarterback waiting in the wings to kind of say, hey, I drafted this guy, let's see him play in 2021, could buy him some more time as the GM. I could see them going Justin Herbert. I, I hadn't heard anything about Jordan Love, but Tua presumably gone before pick number six. I could see Justin Herbert landing in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, same question, Panthers, but reversed, is the fact that the Panthers at seven uh, – 
assign Teddy Bridgewater to take them out of the QB business. No, not necessarily. They took Will Greer last year in the third round, and let's be honest, no one's crazy about Will Greer as a possible future quarterback in uh, Carolina. They re-signed Kyle Allen, uh, same same answer there. And uh, my latest mock draft, which comes out Monday, so as you're listening to this, you can peruse the three-rounder. I have them taking Isaiah Simmons, and I feel like if Isaiah Simmons is there at seven, you're taking Isaiah Simmons if Tua and Justin Herbert are off the board and you don't love Jordan Love. Maybe they love Jordan Love, and you can certainly take him at seven, and I wouldn't hate that. I like Jordan Love a lot. But uh, Teddy's on that three-year deal. It just feels like if Teddy struggles in year one, they're going to be right back in this conversation. And I know your answer is just, well, you can take for Trevor because no other team will be doing that next year. So um, my answer is if you love Jordan Love and he's there, take him. If not, if Isaiah Simmons is there, I would jump all over that. I think this does actually take him out of the running for a quarterback in this draft. I mean, it's a three-year deal for Teddy, but it could re- it's really probably only going to be a two-year deal. There's $5 million in dead cap in 2022. And I think... Teddy's like a step ahead of Tyrod Taylor, that he's a good bridge. And I think with a better defense, I mean, the Panthers' defense was not very good last year. I think he can be serviceable enough that the Matt Rule era doesn't start out so badly. Um, but going best player available, like uh, Ryan said, Isaiah Simmons, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Jeffrey Akuda, if he somehow lasted to seven, would be ideal. Start building the team now for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Those are the two I think we kind of talk about Trevor Lawrence as like this Andrew Luck, but Justin Fields is not that far behind him in terms of, I think, how highly sought after he's going to be in next year's draft class. So then even if you get a decent year out of Teddy, you win four or five games, um, and then we have a Tyrod Taylor-Baker Mayfield situation in 2021, I think that could make sense um, for the Panthers to just start building. And that rule said he loves high-caliber athletes. He said that at Baylor, that he took a lot of – two and three star guys that were great athletes and turned them into good players. Um, I think whoever is the truly the best player and maybe the most athletic player available is where the Panthers will ultimately go at seven. Uh, I think the two interesting teams, I thought the Cardinals might be in the business for a wide receiver, either Jerry Judy or CD land, depending on who, who was available to them, presumably both guys. Uh, and I thought the jets would be in the business for an offensive lineman because they want to protect Sam Darnold, but free agency happens and you got to change your mock drafts as I did for the first time of no one else has done this. I was the first one to think of this. The Jets, Jerry Judy in my latest mock draft and the Cardinals uh, going offensive line. That, that one's probably not a surprise, but the point being is that uh, to me, Ryan, those two teams sort of flip their needs and maybe best interest uh, by what they did in free agency. Agree or disagree? Yeah, no, they flipped them. You're exactly right. So the Cardinals, I had them taking Tristan Wirfs. Should he be there? Right tackle can play left tackle if you want him to. And then the Jets, I had them taking not Jerry Judy, but CeeDee Lamb, who I think is eking out as my wide receiver one, but I, I like both those guys a lot. But I think either way, the Jets have uh, signed a bunch of offensive linemen. We'll see how good they are. But the, the signal is that they are perhaps targeting something other than offensive line in the draft. And the 11th pick of CeeDee Lamb's there, or Jerry Judy's there, or even, hell, if they love Henry Ruggs and they take him there, uh, I mean, that's fine. But uh, get Sam Darnold some playmakers because apparently Robbie Anderson ain't coming back. Yeah, and I think it's kind of obvious uh, for the Cardinals to go offensive tackle at number eight overall. They re-signed DJ Humphreys um, at left tackle, but I don't know if they're like totally sold on him being this long-term guy for the whole Kyler Cliff Kingsbury era. Um, they addressed a lot in free agency, D-line, linebacker. If somehow Akuda, and I'm going to kind of bring this up 
throughout. If somehow Jeffrey Okuda was there to kind of be the heir apparent to Patrick Peterson, I wouldn't hate that. Um, but it's time to really load up on the offensive side, which they did obviously with DeAndre Hopkins. And the Jets, I think the Jets should just re-sign Robbie Anderson and draft either Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. Give Sam Darnold some weapons. The Bills got John Brown and Cole Beasley, now Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. Don't send out a group of Jamison Crowder and Quincy Inunua and these lower level guys for Sam Darnold. It's time in year three for this offense to really take a big step forward. So I would be fine with the Jets going top receiver and re-signing Robbie Anderson now that his value is presumably lowered on the market. What about the Jets, Ryan? You had him going with uh, the Jets. What am I talking about? The Jags. You had him going with Jordan Love in your mock draft. Do you think the Nick Foles trade? And reminder, Sean Wagner-McGuff is not on this podcast. Uh, but we will be making fun of Sean every single night on the Pick 6 podcast show, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday on CBS Sports HQ, our 24-7 streaming sports network. You can watch it on your CBS Sports app and your phone, your tablet, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, your Xbox, wherever else you get your apps. You can also go to cbssports.com slash live and watch it. If you listen to this podcast and you appreciate this podcast if, if, if from any level, from like a like for like a 10 out of – if you like this podcast on a 10 out of 10 or even like a 2 out of 10, come check out the show because uh, we appreciate the support. Um, but we will be making fun of Sean on that show uh, for the Bears acquiring Nick Foles. Ryan, do you believe that the departure of Nick Foles in Jacksonville opens them up for a quarterback? It should, even if Nick Foles stayed there and they gave, they gave him a 10-year, a billion-dollar deal, you should still be looking for a quarterback if you're the Jaguars. So number nine, I haven't taken Mekhi Becton. Uh, the left tackle last year took Jawan Taylor in the second round as the right tackle. So solidify the offensive line, come back at 20 with their other first-round pick, which they got for the Jalen Ramsey trade. Uh, the Rams don't have any draft pick, by the way. And there they took at number 20, Jordan Love. Uh, so, again, he can sit for a year. Let's um, – Mustache, uh, Gardner Minshew play. And if that doesn't work out midway through the season, you can make that change if you so desire. But uh, it's clear that Doug Marone doesn't have a lot of rope. So he's got to fix things quickly. And in some sense, Jordan Love is like, Hey, here's my security blanket. I, I, I need uh, one more year to sort this out. Jordan Love's going to be awesome in 2021. But on the other hand, um, it could blow up in his face if a new, uh, new coach staff comes in and they hate Jordan Love. So, uh, that could be a reason not to draft Jordan Love there. But if he's there and you like him, I don't know why you wouldn't take him. Yeah, I think if if that situation played out for the Jaguars to go offensive tackle with their first pick in round one and then somehow get Jordan Love later, that would be ideal. But it to me, it seems like most teams don't want to wait on that quarterback, even if they would draft Jordan Love and not expect him to play right away with Gardner Minshew there. I could see them kind of being the dark horse to go QB inside the top ten and being the team that after the big three or four are off the board, to go Jordan Love at number nine just to make sure that they get him and don't let – not that there's a ton of teams in between nine and 20 um, that would go QB, but there could be. A team could move up. Um, I definitely have mocked a lot of offensive tackles. D-line, they, they certainly, with Calais Campbell leaving, um, they could use D-line help. They definitely need cornerback help. I think going Christian Fulton – at pick number 20 would make a lot of sense, or C.J. Henderson, that presumably the consensus number two and number three cornerback. But they are definitely, to me, the, the dark horse to go quarterback inside the top ten. All right. I think that is intriguing. Who knows what the hell the Jaguars are doing? Nobody is the answer. Speaking of answers, we'll have an answer for you as to who the 49ers and the Buccaneers might target with their fresh picks. Well, 49ers don't have – Buccaneers don't have one, but you get the point. They got Tom Brady. You need to make the pick. Coming up after the break.
The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a great tease. It went south. (laughs) But you know what? The 49ers really do have a pick. They have 13th overall now, Ryan. They traded DeForest Buckner to uh, the Indianapolis Colts. I said on CBS Sports HQ, or 247 Network, that I thought that – the Colts were the clear winners in terms of upgrading their overall roster, giving themselves a Super Bowl window. Uh, the 49ers are still very good, though, and they can really improve with the number 13 overall pick. Do you think that they try to replace DeForest Buckner, or wh- what do you think the move is here? It's like you're reading my mind. I had him taking Javon Kinlaw, the, um, the defensive tackle, like the best pass rushing defensive tackle in this class, out of South Carolina. Uh, so if he's there at 13, maybe that's a possibility. Then they circle back at 31, and I had him taking A.J. Terrell, the cornerback out of Clemson, who um, – Actually, could end up being better than Trayvon Mullen last year's second round pick to the to the Raiders. So uh, they go all out on defense at the bottom of the first round. They could also uh, take an interior lineman if they wanted to, someone like Cesar Ruiz, the the center out of Michigan. I don't know if that's a little too high for him, but if you have a need there and you like him, yeah, take him. I don't care. Um, also, wide receiver could be an option at some point, but perhaps they circle back, given that and we've talked about this forty five thousand times. The wide receiver class is incredibly deep, so uh, have him going defense, defense in round one. I am. I don't think they need to do this, but I, I have really been thinking that if C.D. Lamb was there at 13, even though Kyle Shanahan has shown that he can scheme efficiency with any quarterback, any group of receivers, and his multiple offensive coordinator, and now his time as a head coach in San Fran, C.D. Lamb would give that group with George Kittle and Debo Samuel, like C.D. Lamb's yards after the catchability is a clear step above anyone in this class, I believe. Um, just with his vision, his contact balance, his speed, his, his, his juking ability. He's a bigger wide receiver than some of the other guys. I think that would be a home run. I mean, they just played in the Super Bowl, losing to the Chiefs and seeing how many weapons they had. Sammy Watkins even had a big game in the Super Bowl. I think C.D. Lamb at 13 would be a lot of fun. And I just can't see them going D-line right away after trading DeForest Buckner. And then in the past five years, they had spent so many first-round picks on the defensive line. Uh, I think offensive tackle is kind of a dark horse for them. Joe Staley's uh, going to be 36 this year. Um, they picked Mike McGlinchey like this regime did two years ago. So I, I could see them going left tackle if, if they like one of these guys. Andrew Thomas um, from Georgia, who's a great run blocker, would make a lot of sense. Um, and I think because of the age of Richard Sherman, um, certainly corner and potentially safety um, could be options at the end of the first round at pick number 31. But give me C.D. Lamb at 13 to just see how fun and how great in terms of yards after the catch this 49ers offense could be. 
Hey, Ryan, the uh, Patriots, we'll get to the Buccaneers in a second, but first, Tom Brady's old team. The Patriots just signed Brian Hoyer. Rawr! Brian Hoyer plus Jared Stidham plus what for the Patriots, a quarterback in 2020? A draft pick? Disrespectful, you didn't mention Cody Kessler there, but okay. No, somebody's getting cut. Uh, uh, you know what would be disrespectful? If Bill Belichick goes and wins a Super Bowl in Tampa, uh, where Tom Brady now plays with Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham, and Cody Kessler. That would be disrespectful to Tom Brady. I mean, there is no way that team is going to the Super Bowl with those two quarterbacks. I wouldn't say that. I'm going on record. Um, I might pick, this would be the one year you could pick the Patriots to win and nobody else is going to do it. Right. So in the first round, um, at pick 23, all of the four quarterbacks, the top four guys, Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love are already gone. So at 23 in, in Monday's mock draft, I had him taking Zach Bond, sort of the edge slash linebacker, can do it all guy out of uh, Wisconsin. He's sort of the um, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy that they just left for the Dolphins? Uh, Van Noy. Yeah, by, he's sort of the Van Noy replacement. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, there's that, and then but and you didn't mention this yet, Brinson. If you're listening to this before noon Eastern, you can watch the two-hour mock draft extravaganza. Oh, I'm sorry. My on apologies. CBS Sports HQ, and I will have them taking someone other than the Patriots because it was like six of us, and we had to pick. We each had uh, several picks throughout the first round, so uh, you can see what I do in order to perhaps bolster the wide receiver position. But at this point, I don't know. The Patriots could do anything, and it wouldn't surprise me. Although they're out of the Andy Dalton sweepstakes, uh, reportedly, which is sort of curious to me. So if they are interested in rolling with – with Stidham and, and then Hoyer's a backup. Can they win 11 games like that? That actually makes me wonder if they can. I would rather have Jameis and or Andy Dalton, but I don't know what they're going to do in the first round. If they, if they want to trade up and get someone, that would, um, probably be their best case scenario in terms of getting, um, one of those top four quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it definitely opens the door if like Justin Herbert just happens to fall or if Jordan Love is still there that we know with Jimmy Garoppolo that Bill Belichick was kind of grooming him and Robert Kraft kind of wanted him out, um, that if one of those top quarterbacks fell, I could see Bill Belichick going in that direction. But because the defense is still pretty good, did lose some pieces in free agency, um, I could see you know Bill Belichick saying, we still have an open Super Bowl window, that I'm Bill Belichick and I can scheme my way to, like Ryan said, 11 or 12 wins. Um I've mostly mocked to them defense. My most recent mock draft, which was last Wednesday, was Zach Bond as well. Um, I think he he would be a perfect kind of movable chess piece. I've also mocked Kyle Duggar to them. I think he would make a lot of sense, um, and that would be probably the ceiling for him to go. But he's so big, he can play linebacker, can play safety. They need wide receiver too. So it, it's it's really I think Ryan was right on that. That it's whatever the Patriots do. I don't think anyone would really be surprised. Um, and for the record, I've been on Twitter for a while now. I still think Belichick is either going to sign Jameis or Cam Newton and say, we're done with the quick, short passing. We're just going to chuck it deep. We're going to have Jameis throw 40 touchdowns and 35 picks next year and just be a boomer bust offense. He's always reinventing himself, and I think this is kind of setting up for him to do that again at the end of his coaching career. Right, so you're, you're, you're spinning it as... I think Bill Belichick wants to throw more interceptions. Is that, that, yes. Yeah. I think Tom Brady has gotten – he was getting a little bit too conservative. His stats were getting worse across the board the last four years. I could see when the value is right and it's getting better for any team wanting to sign Jameis or Cam Newton, I could see it, it happening and saying – we're going to reinvent our offense again. We've done it four or five times during this era. The price was right. Jameis is not going to cost a lot. Neither is Cam Newton at this point. Um, 
I, I would not be surprised if that's what they ultimately do instead of going with Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer as the opening day starter. It's a hot take. I get it. I get it. I don't know if it's hot. Like, I don't think it's crazy that – I don't think it's crazy to think that they would go with uh, Jameis Winston or Cam Newton. I do think it is a little out of left field to suggest that Bill Belichick is, like, money-balling interceptions. <laughs> but I think – no, but I think that Jameis Winston has also – his big-time throws, like, he's been making throws that Tom Brady has not made in, like, three or four seasons. I mean, to throw but 35 like, – but, but who's their field – like, they don't, have a, they don't have anybody to stretch the field on offense. Like, that's always – that's like, they almost have to reinvent – I mean, Philip Dorsett, like, you almost have to reinvent your entire offense. I tweeted, I think, when it kind of was out there that Robbie Anderson was not getting a big market. I was like, watch Bill Belichick reinvent his offense again, sign Robbie Anderson, sign Jameis or Cam, and then tell Josh McDaniels, look, install more vertical elements. We're going to do play action. Like, we're going to run the ball a ton. We have a bunch of running backs, a good line. We're going to throw it deep. We're going to throw more picks, but we're going to hit bigger plays down instead of trying to win by, you know, dink and dunk like we've done for the last however many years with Tom Brady. No disrespect to Tom Brady. It certainly worked. But I think with the value getting better and better for a team wanting to get Jameis or Cam, I could see Bill Belichick swooping in and just, when you face the Patriots now, it's not swing passes to James White. It's deep balls um, to Robbie Anderson, someone in the draft. Certainly they would have to sign Robbie Anderson. That was just the thought that I had, knowing that Bill Belichick's always trying to stay ahead of the curve with, with what his philosophy is. By the way, uh, one yeah, thing correct. quickly. Um, Tom Brady and Jameis Winston do have something in common. They both threw a pick six in our last throw last season. Good point. Look at that. See? Yeah, but he just cut Tom. He just let Tom Brady go. So, <laughs> don't yeah, don't break about that. <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't. Look, I'll bring you back on and uh, and 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 look. I made fun of Ryan's driveway drinks, and uh, I'm making fun of this this money ball interception idea. If Bill Belichick signs Robbie Anderson and and Jameis Winston, and maybe that's the only available stuff he can pull off. I mean, is there a chance that they go? Like to me, it would be crazy if they added a quarterback in the draft rather than adding like uh, a wide receiver at a position they desperately need. And I just think that, I mean, I also think they just might like Jared Stidham, and that's okay because once upon a time, uh, you know, Bill Belichick benched Drew Bledsoe for uh, for Tom Brady. He dumped Bernie Kosar in Cleveland. Like he's not afraid to be unconventional at quarterback. No, that's true. And I think, like, I guess with my thought, I was like. All right, if they sign Jameis Winston, who who is a pocket passer, it's not like we're asking Bill Belichick to to coach someone that that doesn't want to win from the pocket. Jameis Winston, Robbie Anderson, and they draft Jalen Rager in the first round. Then all of a sudden, the receiver group is actually kind of intimidating, especially down the field. That was just kind of my thought, and that I I thought Jameis or Cam would be signed by now, and just every day that goes further and further, we know Belichick is well, willing well, Cam, to be patient. Well, Cam, hadn't, Cam hadn't been cut, so they can't. Yeah, yeah. True, I mean, like, he, like you, you would have thought somebody would have traded for him. Same yes, with Andy Dalton. Yes. Yeah. So I just like envision Robbie Anderson, Jalen Rager, or Henry Ruggs, or one of the top receivers in round one with Jameis Winston or Cam Newton, a bunch of running backs, a great defense. I don't think that would be crazy to be kind of afraid to to play the Patriots with that roster on the offensive side. That would be completely different from what teams were used to or accustomed to stopping when they faced Tom Brady's Patriots the last two uh, uh, two uh, decades. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me, let me ask you guys. Uh, Jared Sidham was a fourth round pick last year, which means I believe that you both would have done some sort of evaluation of Sidham, right? Who, uh, who is Jared Sidham? Cause you know, we're like the Patriots love Jared Sidham. Ryan, give me uh, something to know about Jared Sidham in terms of your draft eval. Like presumably he has progressed 
since the draft by being in the Patriot system. But I actually liked him a lot last year, and I thought that if you had taken him in the third round, I'd have been okay with that. The issue with Jared Stidham wasn't so much Jared Stidham as the offense, offensive line in particular was dog crap last year. So he would get through his first read, and then he would have to run for his life. His eyes would drop. He also suffered from a lot of drops from his receivers, uh, including uh, Darius Slayton, who ended up going to the um, Giants and having a really good rookie campaign, but he was also a day three pick. So I feel like there's an opportunity for him to actually get a lot better uh, under Josh McDaniels and that Patriot system. But I don't think you're going to instill a lot of confidence in a, in a guy when he, the only time he comes in uh, and mop-up duty against the Jets, he throws a pick six, and you immediately bench him for Tom Brady instead of leaving him out there. I don't know what the, the thinking was behind that. I don't certainly have any conversations with Belichick about what he was thinking. But uh, I, I like Stidham a lot. I, I think um, he has a chance to be a, a good sort of – he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be a franchise quarterback, but he has a chance to be a good NFL player. How good, we'll see. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities. But if this is the, pla- the path that the Patriots are going, we're going to find out pretty quickly. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I thought fourth round was a little early, but I will say to Ryan's point, the line was terrible at Auburn last year, and it's kind of this gimmicky triple option uh, kind of run-based offense. Going into last college football season, though, Jared Sidham had, like, first-round buzz, and he, like, sank all the way to the fourth round. So the talent is there. He has a good arm. He's decently athletic, but I think what Ryan said about just his overall evaluation was that after his first read, he has no idea what to do, and that's kind of what really turned me off to him. So if Bill Belichick was into that type of quarterback that has the natural ability, maybe he would be into more you know, unrefined quarterbacks. I'm going back to my Jameis Winston and Cam Newton thing um, because, to me, Jared Siddham was like the polar opposite of Tom Brady, that he was not calm under pressure whatsoever, and Bill Belichick still picked him in the fourth round. All right, Jared Siddham. We mentioned the Buccaneers, and we got to cover the Bucs. They signed Tom Brady. Uh, we know they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brady. By the way, uh, we did this, uh, the League of Leagues, crazy 51-round draft over the weekend. Uh, my buddy and I, Nathan, we took Cameron Brait late. We also uh, drafted Dion Lewis, who's a currently a free agent. I think he would end up with the Buccaneers. And I just had this hunch that, like, Cameron Brait's going to end up catching 14 touchdown passes from Tom Brady. That's just a hunch out there for you people who are involved in Dynasty Leagues and, and whatnot. You know, maybe go, maybe go uh, – Listen to your boy's spidey sense. But um, <laughs> with all those weapons, it makes it easy to focus on other issues for the Buccaneers. Where do you think they'll go now, Ryan, knowing that they don't have a great offensive line, but that they have some holes on defense too? How do you address those issues uh, if you're the Bucks in defense now that you signed Tom Brady and know sort of what your plan is going forward? So they don't pick till 14. So one of those top four guys is going to have to fall unless they love someone like Josh Jones or Austin Jackson, for example. Uh, left tackles at USC and uh, at Houston, or maybe someone like Andrew Thomas falls to 14. And depending on how the running back, uh, not the running backs, the quarterbacks go ahead of them, maybe that pushes him down. And then I think you grab him right away. He can play right tackle, um, although he's played left tackle the first few years, and then you just put him in right there immediately. I had them taking Derek Brown in uh, Monday's mock draft just because he got pushed down because of the run on quarterbacks and offensive tackles. And I had him circling back in round two to get Lucas Nyang out of TCU. Who's very athletic and, and uh, actually a really good player. He sort of got lost in the mix. He was injured for part of the season, and we haven't talked a lot about him because other guys have, have played a little better. And then in round three, I love this pick probably more than the first two. I had the Buccaneers taking Van Jefferson, the, the wide receiver out of Florida, who is probably the best or second-best route runner in this draft class after Jerry Judy. Um, great hands. Not particularly explosive uh, is the guess. He didn't run at the combine. He obviously didn't have his pro day. 
But uh, he's the type of guy that fits into like, – he's the guy you look at and go, oh, that's the guy that catches 80 balls a year from Tom Brady. And he can pair with, with Mike Evans and um, uh, what's his name, Chris Godwin, and, and just fit right into that offense. Yeah, I don't think they need to go defense. Uh, they actually had the number seven DVOA defense last year, um, 12th against the pass, first against the run. They have a lot of good young pieces that I don't know if, if everyone was just – tuning into like the horror show that or the roller coaster that was the Jameis Winston offense. But Vita Vea took a big step forward at D tackle. They have two uh former Auburn corners, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. Big physical corners on the outside. They had really good seasons last year. Um I think they need to go right tackle. If Jedrick Wills from Alabama was there, that's my most recent pick for the Bucks in my most recent mock at number 14, he would be the dream come true, that if he's there, we can just skip to pick 15 to the Broncos because that's he's a plug-and-play right tackle. All the other big five tackles in this class are all predominantly left tackles. DeMar Dotson is in his 30s now. He's a free agent. He's been a good right tackle for the Bucs. Um, they need a right tackle. And I think even left tackle with Donovan Smith, I think they could move him around because he's, they recently re-signed him, but he's not someone that you say, oh, well, we're not going to pick another left tackle because you're here. So um, I think offensive line, especially given Tom Brady's age, his lack of mobility, um, that's the of the utmost importance. On the defensive side, though, I think safety would make the most sense. That's that's kind of the biggest need that they have. They really need a playmaker in the middle of that secondary. They have the good pieces at corner. Someone like Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit, if they didn't like how the board fell. Uh, but I think they need to go offensive tackle in round one because you don't want to throw Tom Brady back there when you have a good interior with Ali Marpet and Ryan Jensen, um, but you just can't block on the perimeter. So I think offensive tackle for the Bucks makes the most sense in what they will ultimately do. It's a good draft for it, too. Uh, Traps Mr. Mock, by the way, Ryan mentioned this before, noon Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern, our mock draft special on CBS Sports HQ. We'll be diving into uh, – we did a – I don't really know what the details are. What, what's happening here, Ryan? Like five or six of us, and we're going to do pick by pick. We each had four or five picks. Oh, I was the Dolphins, and I kept getting texts to make picks. And I was just like, what? Just take whoever the best guy is. Yeah, because right. you were busily doing nothing. I was doing another draft, a real draft, not a mock draft. And uh, – since I mentioned the Dolphins, why not tell you about the Dolphins and what they might do with their three picks? Do you think free agency and their decision to go bonkers changes how you would handle or how you're handling their three picks, Ryan? They don't need any cornerbacks. I know that. So, I mean, they've gone crazy uh, in free agency. So they got um, they have the two highest paid cornerbacks, Byron Jones, who they just paid, and Xavier Howard, who they extended, and two really good cornerbacks uh, in, 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 free, in, in the entire NFL. Yep, and they got Kyle Van Noy, you mentioned him. They got Emmanuel Ogba, Jordan Howard on the other side of the ball. Uh, they got Landon Roberts, a former Patriots player. They got Shaq Lawson, uh, Traps guy with the Bills. So they, I mean, they have stockpiled offensive players. So knowing that. With and, those, and former Patriots. And former Patriots. Knowing that, in the Monday's mock draft, I had him taking Tua, number five, Josh Jones, the left tackle I mentioned earlier out of Houston. And then Xavier McKinney to shore up the safety position. He doesn't play, uh, he can play actually a lot of places, but they, you know, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones can lock down the cornerback position. And that's sort of the, the Patriots model where let's make everyone amazing on the back end and we'll figure out the, the front seven stuff later. And look, if it works, great. And number 39, I'll point this out there at the Dolphins taking Jonathan Taylor, running back, Wisconsin. Yeah, for me, I, I've just been with doing so many mocks and Ryan and I do one a week. So we've done a, a ton leading up to the end of March here. 
They just need to pick players, in my opinion, that are at premium positions. Obviously, a cornerback at five, and then a left tackle and an edge rusher. Or I, I was going to say corner pre-combine, but obviously that's not, um, you know, like what they need anymore. So as long as they don't go running back at, you know, at some point in the first round because the value is just not there, um, I think that would be just the best way to handle having three first-round picks. Um, I don't think what they've done in free agency changes, like the type of quarterback um, that they could potentially want. I still think it's going to be to a tongue of Iloa, whether they have to trade up, we'll see. Um, but that's the most important thing. One note, it's interesting that almost every Bill Belichick coaching tree disciple when they leave when it's matt patricia in detroit when it's brian flores in miami they sign like all these former patriots which on the surface is like okay yeah that's obvious but it seems like the most anti-belichick thing that if that was belichick and he moved on he would not be like signing all of these former patriots he'd be like oh yeah i'm i'm done with you i'm gonna you know draft and find cheap veterans he's let so many players go from new england it's like just funny to me how every Patriots disciple always brings in a ton of former Patriots that are older and now probably a little bit overpaid. Um, it's just interesting how that works out after being with Belichick for that long that Flores and, and Matt Patricia um, have really made it a priority to bring in former Patriots. You, uh, yeah, I was going to, uh, to a Tunga, Tunga Vailoa. Got it. Fine. Oh, yeah, face! In your face, Ryan! A month ago, you got it. You're, you're set. Easy street. Hey, Traps, uh, we haven't talked to you since the, uh, Bills traded for Stefan Diggs. What's your, uh, what's your take on that deal? Well, on the surface, it was probably a little bit of an overpayment, but the Bills did have, um, extra picks in the fifth round and the sixth round. So it was kind of like, okay, Vikings, like this is, we're prying this guy away from you in his prime. He's signed through 2023. We're going to have to obviously give you more than just a first rounder. Um, and I'd done a lot of radio spots and written a lot, like, mocking T Higgins to the bills at 21, obviously before the pick or, or at 22. Um, Cause I was like, okay, they have these two guys who can separate in John Brown and Cole Beasley. Does Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, want another layer to the offense? Does he want that big bodied wideout? And that, obviously that would be T Higgins with this trade. He answered that question without me ever talking to him with, no, we want guys who can just get open and get down the field. So it worked last year with those type of wide receivers for Josh Allen. He was really good at the intermediate level. He saw guys open. Um, so it definitely moves the needle quite a bit for this offense. Um, and if they didn't have extra picks in the, fifth and sixth round, um, it, I, I would really have thought that those drastically overpaid, but because they had those extra picks there from some menial trades over the years, I, I was more okay with it, especially it's all about, you know, bringing Josh Allen up another step, um, potentially into the top, you know, half of the league at the quarterback spot. By the way, didn't you, uh, didn't you tweet last year about getting Stefan Diggs, although at a slightly different price? Yes, way different price. When he was disgruntled. <laughs> When he was disgruntled, yeah, when he was disgruntled and, like, Kirk Cousins was throwing, like, eight passes a game and he was doing all this cryptic stuff on Twitter, I was like, uh, Zay Jones and a day three draft pick will probably get it done. And clearly it was a little bit more than that for Buffalo. They got their guy. Um, So with that Vikings extra pick, how do you think the loss of Diggs and the loss of a guy like Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes and – is Trey Waynes – 
Oh, yeah, Trey Wade signed with the – I was like, did Trey Wade sign for it? Of course. He signed that absurd contract with the Bengals for like $42 million. Uh, but do you think those losses and the Stephon – like how do you – and Livel Joseph is with the Chargers now. How, what, do you, what, would, what do you think the Vikings are going to do, Traps, um, with, their, uh, with that new pick they got back from the Bills? Well, a few days ago, I thought that they definitely had to go wide receiver because right after them is the Patriots and the Saints, two teams that probably needed a wide receiver – Saints sign Emmanuel Sanders, so it kind of alleviates that need for the Saints a little bit. Um, but to get ahead there, I think with Adam Thielen, you have a, a really good number one, and you don't have much else in terms of depth. You just extended Kirk Cousins. I don't think, like, if Justin Jefferson is there, if Dalen Rager from TCU is there, I would have no problem with that being the pick. But they have lost a lot on defense. And I think even, although they didn't lose anyone on the edge, if Everson Griffin um, presumably signs elsewhere, then I guess they would lose someone. If Kayvon Chason was there from LSU, he's pretty similar to Donnell Hunter. Not as big, um, but a similar, like, raw but super athlete. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. They have to rebuild this defense that had been so good for so long. Still has a few pieces. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith. But I still think wide receiver first. And then with pick 25, then just go best player available on the defensive side. Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, a safety, a corner. I know Vikings fans do not like when Rick Spielman drafts corners because outside of Xavier Rhodes, not a lot of them have worked out. But that's what they need to do. We've seen this Vikings defense be so good for so long, but it's really been dismantled over the last couple of months. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Chris. I had it switched, though. I had him at number 22 taking uh, the guy Chris was talking up the last time we, we talked on the old podcast machine, Noah Igbenogany. Uh, 22 out of Auburn, who I, I love that kid so much. He's, I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick, but I really like him. And then at 25, I actually did have Justin Jefferson going, going to the, uh, to the Vikings. Um, he had a fantastic season and he blew the doors off of the combine and sort of put himself in the first round conversation. Um, played primarily slot last season, but he can play outside as well. So you can move him wherever you want to. And, uh, you know, you have to fill Stefan Diggs' shoes and, uh, there are worse people to find than Justin Jefferson. All right. I like it. I like the move. You know what else I like? A crisp Monday morning podcast that gets in, gets out, smooth, easy, just like traps his car cruising down the road or parked next to his, uh, his house. Um, did I miss it? Do we miss anything else? Anybody that was affected by free agency that I, that I can, that I, the Devo didn't think about before the podcast? Well, I think we covered it. Yeah. Good show. Let's, uh, we're going to do grades for teams coming up later this week. Jonathan Jones, the two star, the two biggest stars at CBS Sports, uh, Jonathan Jones and Jason Lockenfora, will be uh, joining us. And uh, we'll break that down. That's a shot at Pete Christmas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.